All right, I think it's recording. So, uh, what should we talk about? What do you guys... Any questions or suggestions or something? How hmm? You usually have a question. Well, I said like one time I went to the grocery store. Uh-huh. And um, this guy's always like questioning like what I'm doing. First I was like the chocolates and then I came to the Vegas mosque. And he was saying that um, no one could resist because I've been doing tests like from the sweat. And when someone smells the sweat, uh-huh. they're like, oh, I like this one. I don't like that one. And he's saying that no one can resist or like control their bodies because even the most um, people from the Buddha has like fallen down to that temptation. And I was like, well, no, because like, I don't know, I was wrong, but I was like, the Buddhists, um, I guess, worship the energy ways of Krishna. And we also have discipline and we try to... Um, Please, Krishna, personally, like the supreme personality. Yeah. So I was like trying to like compare them like differently, and because like with Krishna, there's unconditional love, and with the energy, it's just we just get like peace and happiness. But then there's no unconditional love going back and forth. So that's what I don't know. I was like wrong. Well, um, the fact is that we cannot overcome this material energy. It's so strong, you see. It's not possible. So when we, when we analyze what power do we have, what can, we were talking about that earlier, what control do we have, well, you choices. see? Just in our choices, yeah. you know. I can't even control this body. Mm-hmm. And we were talking old ages and there's some advantages to of course, you're not old yet, but as you age, there's, there are advantages in that it's help. It's it, it's more, uh, it's easier to understand that I am not this body, because it won't cooperate with me. You know, I want it to digest in a certain way, and it just won't do it. And I have to try to eat this and make sure I eat that enough ginger, enough chili to balance everything, and and still it does what it wants to do. You know, it's just like. Uh, I don't like it when my fingernails get out very long because it gets dirty, you know. So I cut my fingernails off, but then a few days later they're they're back. You know, I, I shave my head because I don't like, you know, for cleanliness the Brahmin shaves his head, and I don't like hair on my head. But it, you know, in a couple of days it's starting to come back. So I'm not in control of this thing that I think is me. So if I can't control this sphere here that I'm occupying, then how can I control the rest of the material energy? How can I control you if I can't control this body? How can I control your body? You see. So oh, there's, so, there's such a great uh, effort put forth by people to control the masses on, a, uh, on different ways. Uh, one way is by fear. You know, I'll control you by fear. Or I can control you by uh, appealing to your senses. You know, I'll have something, I'll have a product that'll make you, that will appeal, it'll make you feel like, yes, oh, if I had that product, I'll be enjoying. I'll be enjoying like that handsome person on the billboard. You know, they've got this, uh, they always have like these really uh, 
super cold looking, hey, Hare Krishna, cold looking glasses of, of beer or whatever, you know, they've got all the, the water on the outside, it looks cold, it, even on the, uh, it's 100 degrees outside, but on the billboard it looks cold, and beautiful ladies and handsome gentlemen, and they're, they're smiling, and, they're, and you think, boy, if I had some of that, I'd be like her and him, you know, I'd be, so, you know, so it's subtle. You know, one time I was driving in Tucson and uh, I was looking for, for the university. I was going to go there and we were going to have kirtan. And I passed this billboard that had the most beautiful picture of pizza that I'd ever seen. It was gorgeous. And I thought, wow, somebody really went over, overboard for that. And then within a few minutes later, I had this incredible craving for pizza. You know, and I thought... Wow, just see how, the, how potent that is. I got zapped with it. So I, I, I said to myself, no, you're not going to have to. I'm not going to, you know, we're going to do this pizza thing. Forget it. <laughs> Give it to the billboard. Yeah. <laughs> Krishna wants me to have pizza. He'll send it, you know. So then I got back to the temple later that evening. and There was pizza. They were serving homemade pizza. So. I love that. <laughs> Krishna's, Krishna's such a joker, you know. He's like, I want to see if you... You know, he throws you tests to see, let me see what you're going to do here. And he's like this, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. You know? Some people argue, well, he's God, doesn't he know? And he knows past, present, and future. But because he gives you free will, he doesn't really know. Now, he could if he wanted to. But that would take a lot of the interest out of this relationship that we're having with him. He wants to see, how will you react to this? How will you react to that? You see? So, uh, but uh, we can't, we can't uh, overcome this material energy. So let's read, let's read what Krishna says about it in Bhagavad Gita. In the 12th chapter, actually, let me start out in the beginning. This is interesting. This is very, I'll, I won't, I'll skip the Sanskrit, we'll just do the English. A lot of times I, I quote the Sanskrit and then the English, but I'm going to read a few verses. And anybody, anytime you have a question or comment, feel free to say, just stop at any time, okay? Okay, so Arjuna inquired. He's asking Krishna. Now, he's heard all these different things from Krishna about, you know, Krishna, because of we having free will, he doesn't arm twist, you see. You know, he's very romantic. He wants you to choose him if you want him, you see. So Arjuna's asking him all these questions, and Krishna's told him about various ways to attain uh, liberation. So Arjuna's thinking, you know, and this is what we would ask, you know. This is out of 18 chapters. Here it is, the beginning of the 12th chapter, and Arjuna's had enough. He wants to know, all right, what's the best one? You know, you're not telling me. You're not, you're not trying to sell me on anything here, and I want you to tell me. You're my friend. So Arjuna inquired, which are considered to be more perfect, those who are, all, who are always properly engaged in your devotional service or those who worship the impersonal Brahman, the unmanifested? Krishna's told him there are different paths. These are the two basic paths. And Arjuna's like, okay, I've heard all this. Which is best? So Krishna's reply. The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, 
Those who fix their minds on my personal form and are always engaged in worshiping me with great and transcendental faith are considered by me to be most perfect. However, Krishna goes on. But those who fully worship the unmanifested, that which lies beyond the perception of the senses, the all-pervading, the inconceivable, unchanging, fixed, and immovable, the impersonal conception of the absolute truth, by controlling the various senses and being equally disposed to everyone, such persons engaged in the welfare of all at last achieve me. So he's saying you can, you can go, you can go this way, or you can go that way. So our, you know, Arjuna must have had a look on his face, like, you know. So Krishna continues. For those whose minds are attached to the unmanifested, impersonal feature of the Supreme, advancement is very troublesome. The Sanskrit word in this verse that uh, points that out is klesha. It's a trouble. Uh, problems. Not just trouble and problems. It's great trouble. Difficulty. So advancement is very troublesome. To make progress in this discipline is always difficult for those who are embodied. It's very difficult, extremely so. I mean, Krishna's not—he's uh, not saying it with, a, if, with as much emphasis as he could, but he's not trying to sell anybody. You see. Then he goes on. But those who worship me, giving up all their activities unto me, and being devoted to me without deviation, engaged in devotional service and always meditating upon me. Having fixed their minds upon me, O son of Prita, for them I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. So what's he saying here? You can try to do it on your own if you want to pursue some, uh, some path. You can try. It's very difficult. But ultimately, if you pursue controlling the senses, and it, there's, it's very difficult. I mean, it's... You know, it's, it, there's a lot of requirements to, uh, to, to go down that path. And this, in this age, it's practically impossible to uh, achieve liberation uh, through the, uh, the rigorous practices required to get impersonal liberation, you see. Uh, so, but Krishna says that it's very difficult. But then he ends up by saying here, If you fixed your mind on me and serve me, for those who do this, for them, I am the swift deliverer from the ocean of birth and death. He says that many times in Bhagavad Gita. I'll do it. If you become my devotee and start to, this loving exchange, you see, he's not demanding love, but he's kind, of, he's kind of tempting Arjuna. I'll do it. I will be the deliverer. So... We can't overcome this material energy. It's just not possible. You know, some people believe that they can. And maybe once in a while somebody in the past has. But uh, the likelihood of it is, you know, the deck is really stacked against us. However, Krishna says, I'll do it for you. I'll be the swift deliverer. You see? In one part of the Bhagavad Gita, uh, uh, Krishna tells Arjuna that in order to, prop, in order to practice uh, perfect yoga, you have to control the mind. You have to learn to control the mind. Uh, 
And Arjuna said it would be easier to control the wind than to control the mind. The mind is so powerful. You see? Ah. And then Krishna says, but for those who surrender to me and just become my devotee, I make crossing over the ocean of material existence as easy as stepping over the water held in the calf, uh, the, uh, the hoof print of a calf. So, in other words, he, he, he makes it easier, you see, because uh, out of love and devotion, sweetness, he wants to help, you see. So you're saying, you know, look, I surrender to you, I want your help. And when, he's, when he tastes your love, when he tastes that you're sincere, and that you're, you're loving him, then he makes it easy for you. <clears throat> and in a very short time, he will actually do it for you. He makes that promise many times in Bhagavad Gita. That I'll do it for you. All you have to do is to, is to have the right desire. You see, the biggest problem we have uh, with those of us that are trapped in this material world is we've had uh, improper desires, which have led us to making improper decisions which lead us to make to performing improper acts. Well, that's because that's the way we're brought up from childhood. Exactly. So that's why it's hard to change. It's, it, exactly. That's a good point. We've, we've been like that. You know? Since we were young. Yeah. I remember when I first, uh, back in the early 70s, when I first met the devotees and I started to discuss Krishna conscious philosophy, and we got on the subject of uh, vegetarianism, giving up meat, and the first thing I thought is, at that time, you know, I was, a, you know, a big meat eater. That's all I really liked. I didn't like, you know, much else. Maybe a potato here and there, but, you know. So, uh, my reaction was, well, what does it matter? Why would that matter? Why would what you eat have any, anything to do with your relationship with God? You know? And in, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking... Well, my mother fed me meat. My mother, she's not a bad lady. My grandmother fed me meat. She was a sweetheart. My great-grandmother, as far back as I can remember, this has always been okay. You see, so I had to break through that. I had to, uh, I had to get out of the, uh, I had to get out of the box that I was in. You see. We get, uh, as we were talking the other night, we get into uh, certain things become committed to the subconscious. In other words, we don't think about them. You know, many people think uh, when the alarm goes off in the morning, they think, oh, okay, time for coffee, bacon and eggs. It's just a reflex, you see. And uh, I can remember hearing different people talk at, at times when they would say, uh, Somebody would say they liked uh, bacon and eggs for uh, dinner or lunch, and the other person would say, how can you do that? Well, what does it matter? Well, it's, I'm just programmed. That's the time of day that I eat that. And then I have a sandwich for lunch, and then I have a you know, pot roast or meatloaf or steak or something with a potato and maybe a salad. And that's the way I... It's just programmed in our subconscious. Unconscious living. Exactly. It is. It's unconscious. Because the mind likes to roam around the movie that it's playing. You know, we're, 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 we have our own movie that we're doing and we're thinking about other things and uh, fantasies and so many things that the mind is doing. Uh, it's like we were talking, when you, like when you take a shower. 
You don't, have, you don't ever have to. You ever find yourself thinking, where do I start? No, you just get it, you turn the water on, and you do something that cleanses you. You don't have to think, okay, first I do my head. Okay, now I'm going to, you know, wait a minute, did I wash my ears? You never, because it just happens. You don't have to think and direct it. It's just like that, you know. So, so many things we do, it's just programmed into the subconscious. What did you call it? Unconscious living. Unco that's it. I like that term. Unconscious living. You so know. many people today live an unconscious life. Yeah. They don't ever think about what they do. Right. Yeah. Uh, I remember um, uh, my parents were from the Deep South. They were from Tennessee. And uh, they moved to Chicago. When I was four years old, I, I went to Chicago. And uh, I grew up in Chicago. But when they, when they saw, uh, they were so programmed in, into the way that they dealt with other people. The, in the South, you had basically Anglos and black people, you see. When you got to Chicago, Chicago's this huge melting pot. I don't know if it still is, but it used to be. And you had Italians, <coughs> um, Jewish people, you had Polish, you know. I mean, just lots of Russians. There were like all these different nationalities of people, you know, and they were just knocked over by it. They couldn't, but they were programmed to think of black people as being, you know, pretty much like animals. And they had to adjust when they got to Chicago. You can't treat black people like animals, you see. They still, in those days, they still had water fountains for black, you know, black people would drink, you know, in, in public the square. Colored, colored, colored they white. call it, yeah. Colored, colored and white they called it. And bathrooms, mm -hmm. they had colored bathrooms and white bathrooms at that time. They got to Chicago and there was none of that, you know, and they, it took them years to adjust, but it was programmed into them, see. Just because we have something programmed into our subconscious doesn't mean it's correct. But we have a tendency to think it is, you see. But it's a knee-jerk reaction. You know, it's a, uh, it's a reaction without thinking. It's unconscious living. You're, un you're, you're unconscious because you're conscious of something else. You know, you see that going on. People do that uh, uh, when they drive. You see them a lot. They're not, they're not conscious when they're driving. You know, and I've seen people, uh, all of a sudden they'll see that the traffic stop in front of them and they, they hit the brakes and slam on the brakes and I'm thinking, we well, had plenty of time to slow down. Well, it just kind of got to a certain point where they noticed it. They, they, they got conscious of what's going on, you see. So, uh, we've become unconscious uh, in our living. We've become unconscious of our relationship with Krishna. You see, that's why uh, my guru, when he started this movement, he called it the International Society. It's a society for the whole world, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, ISKCON. It's to promote consciousness of Krishna. Now, uh, and as I've said before, sometimes people, when they hear this philosophy, they think, I don't know if I want to get that close to God, though. You know, arms length, you know. <laughs> I mean, now that I know he's there, I think, well, that's kind of cool. All right, uh, I like that conception, but I'm not ready 
to get that close. You know, my dear Lord, I'm glad you're there. Call me, you know, keep in touch. But right now I've got to go back into my movie, that I, my life, this thing that I, that I do, because I'm so conditioned. I can't stop what it is that I normally do, you know. Uh, it's four o'clock, it's time for tea. You see, my habits are taken. I'm, I'm being driven by my habits, that are things that are programmed into my mind. I'm unconsciously living, and I don't know why that I want to do this at a particular time of day, but I do, you see. And I don't, and, and I don't take the time to, uh, uh, to question so many things. And it's just like uh, people that get involved in intoxication. They rarely stop. And even if they do, they, it's for a health reason. You know, somebody may say, well, you're going to die if you, if you keep drinking like that. You're going to die. Well, don't worry about that. I know. I'm not going to go that far. You know, even the doctor can tell them. And some people do. Huh? Because they continue. I've seen, I've seen many people. And it's people. too late to change. Yeah. I've seen people told by the doctor that your liver is about to fall out. You know, it's just dead. I had a nephew. He, was, he started drinking at the age of 12. Oh, did he die of it? No, but he was about, <coughs> uh, I think he was in Adrian, 20? 20. 20. Yeah. He was in his early 20s. They told him that if yeah. he didn't stop drinking, he was going to die. Wow. He changed. Once in a while, people do. He changed his ways. Yeah. But once, once in a while people do, but oftentimes they can't because they're so attached. That's the nature of attachment. I don't want to change it, you see. I don't want to get outside of this box. I'm in this box and I've been in this box all, my, all this life and all my lives and I don't want to get outside of it. So why is it so difficult to get out of that box? What's, you know, like you want to change, but yet you, you, know, you do it for a while, but then it doesn't last. Because, you, because you, you, you've got faith in it. You've placed your faith in that. And I don't have faith in anything else. You see. I've never had true enjoyment in this material world, but this is the close I've come to it. You know, vodka. This is the closest I've, I've been able to get to it. Now, we're not actually saying that, but that's the way the mind's thinking. Maybe it's not the best thing for me. But it's the closest I've ever gotten to ecstasy, to bliss. It's just confusion. Yeah, exactly. Confusion. confusion. Because it's our, it's our nature to be always blissful. You see, always happy. It's our true nature as uh, eternal living entities. We're eternal, sat, uh, chit, full of knowledge, and ananda, full of bliss. And that means that it's our nature to never lose happiness. I mean, blissful happiness for even a split second. That's our nature. But in the material world, we just can't get anything like that. So we try to look in all these other different places. We squeeze the material energy as much as we can, trying to find something. And when I get into a box to where I think this may not be perfect, but it, it's, it's okay for me. I, I can take some intoxication. Uh, I remember the hippies used to do uh, 
uh, intoxication and they would feel like they were just, they were numbed out, you know, comfortably numb. That was it. And that was, that was accepted as happiness because now I'm numb. I'm numb to whatever's going on. Back in the hippie days, we used to turn on the, the television, but turn the sound down, crank up the music. So you got music playing and a picture, but you can't hear what's on television. And then uh, turn off the lights and light candles, and then uh, get into intoxication. <laughs> and the best you can get would be was being kind of numb, you know and maybe eventually go to sleep. <laughs> and it's just an escape. It's an escape, it's an attempt to escape from the pains of the material world. What about, what about um, also animals that, that uh, or insects even, that uh, seek to get uh, mind-altering states? I don't know. Uh, I don't know of any. Are there actual? Yeah, like um, I think lemurs do. What do they do? They eat this caterpillar that has a certain chemical in it, and I guess they they pull off on a hallucinogen. Yeah, it's like a hallucinogen, and some of them get lost in society <coughs> because that's all they seek. Hmm. Is that that, that fix. Yeah. I can't imagine they would live very long, though, in the wild. They're probably, yeah, that's... Because they would be easy pickings yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for predators. Yeah, yeah, as soon as a predator found them. Bees, there's a documentary on these bees that they started getting exposed to alcohol, and they started seeking alcohol and yeah. getting on drunk. <laughs> yeah. And so when they would come back to the hive, they would be wasted. Yeah. And... There's actually uh, oh, guards at the front of the, the front of the beehive, waiting for them. So when the first time they would come, they would take, they would warn them, they would rough them up, hmm. they'd warn them. And then the second time they would come drunk, they would like take an arm off. And then the third time they, they would come drunk, they would kill them. Really? <laughs> yeah. What? It's really, really. But when we think about it, why should the animals be really any different from us? They're looking for bliss too. Yeah, yeah. They're us. They're just in the in that body of a bee at that particular time. You know. Yeah. We've all been bees. We've all been there. Yeah. We've been through everything. It's very unlikely. It's very rare that we'll meet somebody that has never been below the human species. You know, mm -hmm. it's very rare. Yeah. But now you do meet people that are that are old souls and you can kind of tell when you meet them. They've got an intelligence, a wisdom, mm -hmm. and you can tell they've been around a few times. They've been around and they start to smell a rat. You know, they're not as, they think, wait a minute, you know, this, this box that I'm in, just, this, thing, this is really terrible. You know, I don't like this. There's something wrong with the world. Other people think, hey, let's go, let's go out and party. Other people are thinking, well, yeah, maybe next time, but I'm, there's problems with the world. I can see problems here. You, st you start to see through the fog, and, and you can see there's, there's, there's things here that need to be fixing. This place is broken. It's upside down.
And yet other people are just la la la. You know, they can go out and they get, it's like they get beat, beaten up by the material, uh, the material energy again and again and again. Yeah. And they'll say, you know, what do you care about the, uh, um, uh, the ecology? You know, what do you, what do you care about the, the, the earth or, you know, what do you care what kind of food you eat? Come on, let's go. We're going to go, we're going to go to happy hour. It's mind blowing. Yeah. Really how do you um, how can they become like new like they're like all happy to go here like they really fell down or like they really decided to come and try this material or well the way it actually happens is um, it's different from what other people have taught in the past the living entity because of your loving relationship with Krishna it's just all love, you know. He doesn't get angry at you when you think, well, you know, I wonder what else there is besides you. Well, Krishna knows, well, there's nothing. You know, I'm the greatest. You can't find anything that even comes close to me. But he wants you, he doesn't want, uh, he doesn't want to force you, yeah. you know. So he's got to, for, for you to have free choice, which completes that loving process, He's got to have a place for you to go. If you say, I want to go check out. So he creates this material world just for us to come and try to enjoy. Now, he doesn't throw you into uh, um, the animal kingdom. You know, He doesn't throw you out. He doesn't have the guards. He doesn't say, oh, security, security, <laughs> escort this person into the animal kingdom. Let me see, how about if you go burn for a few centuries? Ah, we'll see what you think about looking for something besides me. You know, he's not like that. You know, he says, is that what you like? Well, yeah, I think so. And he's thinking, maybe you'd like to have a little bit of control. Because right here, in, you know, in this kingdom, you know, I mean, I'm Krishna, so it's kind of hard to have control around me, you know. I'm like the controller, and, and although you can you can control him with your love, but then why can't I be the one that's loved by everybody else more than anybody else? You know, I want to be the center of attention. That's the that's the thing that that's the uh, let's call it the original sin. You know, I start to wonder. Uh, actually, I become a little envious of his position, even though I love him. I'm a little envious. You know, you get all the attention. You're the center. You're the most beautiful, most attractive. And I'm kind of wondering, I'm, I'm telling you I want to go enjoy separate from you, but I'd kind of like to see what it would be like to be you. You know, I kind of like to be you. I'm envious. It's very slight. You know, it's not like we're rebellious or angry. But very slightly, we feel this envy. And so Krishna says, now the way he allows us to come into this material world, uh, every universe has, uh, uh, in other words, some people think Krishna does everything. You know, that he's, he's the guy that, you know, he's like, you know, Radharani calls him, say, Krishna, let's, let's have some lunch. No, I can't, I've got to, you know, I've got to make it rain in El Paso. It hasn't rained in six months, it's about time, so... 
you know, and I've got to do this, and I've got to still the water off the ocean and make clouds go over. Oh, come on, he's God. He doesn't have to do any of this. But he has people who are elevated uh, souls who do these things for him. You see, they're above human beings. They're demigods. You know, they're godly. They have great power. Big egos. Great capacity for enjoyment. And he, they're like department heads. And in every universe, there is a Lord Brahma. Oh, you've seen Lord Brahma? You know, Lord Brahma, he's usually depicted with four heads. In this universe, he has four heads. He, he can see in different directions. And he's the controller. He, he, he builds this universe. And, uh, you know, he's like the, the topmost of the, uh, of the demigods, you see. Contractor. Yeah, he's like a contractor. So Krishna says, would you like, if that's what you like, hey, I can, I can do that. I've got, a, I've got a whole universe that needs to be created. How would you like that? Would you like to do anything? Whoa, me? Yeah, you're in charge. You're the guy. Wow. So off you go. You go take your birth as Lord Brahma. You start out as a, as a very powerful living entity. And from that, out of your desires, uh, improper actions, improper desires, maybe a little bit more envy of each other, other people, or more envy of Krishna, whatever. It's through association with the material energy you come down into the uh, um, take birth as a human being. From there, maybe down into the animal kingdom. And you just go around in circles for millions and billions of years. Doing this, trying this, trying that. You see. So, Krishna, he'll send people to help. He sends opportunities, you know, without destroying the free will. He makes, makes it available in so many different ways, you see. And uh, in, in previous ages, the, the requirement to get uh, back to the spiritual platform was much more difficult than in this age, in the age of Kali. In the age of Kali, the, the, uh, um, the lifespan is so much less. You know, if you make it to 100 years, you're very fortunate. Yeah. So we have. I'm not sure I want to live to be a hundred. <laughs> you see, that's wisdom. You know, wise people don't want to don't want to do it. Other people thinking, yeah, there are people out there that want to live and live and live. You know, it's like Walt <clears throat> Walt Disney. He had himself frozen. You know, so that if they if in the future they uh, discovered how to bring him back to life and cure his whatever disease he had. You know, just that almost seems like fear to me, though. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's it's, not it's, being in touch. It's fear of what's beyond. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Tremendous ego. Tremendous ego. Incredible attachment. Mm -hmm. I don't want to give this up. Mm -hmm. For crying out loud, I'm Walt Disney. <laughs> How can I die? <laughs> I'm the most famous guy in the world. I'm rich. Oh. You know, how can this happen to me? I have the happiest place in the world. Yeah, okay. 
I've got two of them. I've got one in Florida, one in California. I mean, gosh, I'm going to build them in France and Japan. You know, Japan, you know, I can do all this. Why me? I can't die. You know, I'm too important. It's just false ego. Hopefully they bring them back. Attachment is the root of all suffering. Yeah, exactly. Attachment. What happened with him, though, is the family got into a... Did you know this story? They got into legal bickerings and mm -hmm. they decided to pull the plug on the, on the freezer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's out of here. <clears throat> but the thing is, and I have witnessed this in my profession over and over again, when death comes to this body, something happens. There's a transformation. Because you are not the person that you were before. And you can see that physically. Hmm. Once a person has passed away, really and truly, all that's left is a shell. Mm -hmm. Because what made that person that person is gone. Yeah. Um, and, and it's phenomenal. I mean, it's really phenomenal to, to, to witness something like that happen. Yeah. Um, because it's really, the, it's the whole light that that person was. Mm -hmm. um, that aura, that energy, all of it's gone. And, and the it soul. immediately changes. Yeah. Um, the soul left the body. Mm -hmm. It's funny. The, the soul is the attractive force. You see, you can take a very beautiful movie star. Mm -hmm. And you can think, oh, how beautiful, how attractive. But if you see their dead body, I mean, even seconds after they've died. What's the attraction? But what's changed? All the chemicals are still there. Mm -hmm. The soul left. So therefore, the attractive part of the body is the soul. Mm -hmm. yeah. And people don't see that. They don't people see don't that. Understand the that. Spiritual people see people, can see people as very beautiful. And they may not be materially beautiful to other people. Does that make any sense? Yes. But you can. But they see them as beautiful. You know what? It's the personality that they have that brings out that beauty in them. It's that soul. Yeah. It's that the, the soul is your personality. The soul is the personality. The mind, intelligence, and false ego go with the soul. Yeah. When the soul leaves the body, your mind, intelligence, and false ego go with you to the next birth. That's the di that's the difference in personalities. Mm -hmm. Even animals have personalities. Yes, yes. One of the books I remember that's where your in intention is when you're passing away. That's where you'll reincarnate. Or that's what you'll yeah. You'll what your desire? What your your what your desire is. We were talking about that Sunday. Yeah. You know, if your if your desire is to to eat 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 eat, well, there are better bodies than human body, or to have. Uh, so much sexual activity, there are much better bodies. You can have it. You know, you're not going to be denied. Krishna's not going to get angry. He's going to say, is that what you want? Birth after birth, he's saying, oh, is that what you want? I have the perfect place and the perfect body for it. Oh yeah, because you will get it. We are writing our own story as we go, but depending on uh, what we desire from this material energy. It will deliver. Now, it may not be tomorrow or next week, but it will come. We will get our desires. 
Krishna fulfills all desires. He wants us to have what we want. Until uh, someday we wake up and we say, look, Krishna, I want you. Mm-hmm. And then he says, really? Bingo. Bingo. Me? <laughs> Goody. Well, let me make it easy for you. You can't overcome this material energy. You can't overcome this conditioning that you're in. You can't do this on your own. But I'm going to help you if you're sure. First of all, I want to know, are you sure? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. All right, I'll take care of it, you know. Step at a time, I'll take care of it. And I think that's the hardest thing for people. Uh, No matter how you think of a higher power or a supreme being, is understanding that we can never overcome this material world, so we're going to always do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. But he's going to always love us if we if we continually turn to him, you know, and ask for his guidance and yeah. his yeah. help and love him above the material things. But I, I think it's hard for people to understand that that you can be loved like that. It is. You know why? Because we don't love that way. Yeah. So many people, this day and age, we see so much of... Um, you know, abuse and things like that, and negative attention is attention. Yeah, yeah. So you get all messed up in your head about how you're really supposed to love. Yeah. And it's no longer pure. No, it's not pure because uh, it's uh, it's it's as they say in in uh, uh, I've heard people say in South Texas it's business. They don't say business; they say business. <laughs> it's business. I'll give you what you want as long as you give me what I want. Where is that? And, and, and let me translate that into English. I love you. But what I'm really saying is, you know, I can enjoy you. You know, I can enjoy you. I want to. I want to. I want to enjoy being with you. Or, uh, and some people say, well, oh, that's flattering. It's not just my body you want. Well, no, it's. But that's. Pleasing my senses too. See, as long as you please my senses, then I then I'm attractive to you. I mean, I'm, I'm attracted to you. Now, if I start to please your senses, and we're pleasing each other's senses, oh, we're in love. But as soon as the equation is broken, as soon as you stop uh, pleasing my senses, then I start to lose attraction. You see, now I'm thinking. Wait a minute. I think she could, she could uh, give me. Uh, I could enjoy her through my senses better than you. And you know what? Maybe I never really loved you after all. You know, you were this way and you were that way. You know, I mean, I've I've had patience. I gave you the best years of my life. <laughs> but now she. She is what I thought and hoped you would be. You know, you hear all these things. The divorce lawyers hear all kinds of stories, you know. And basically what it is, is uh, you broke the business deal. I was getting from you and I was willing to give in a nice exchange until all of a sudden I couldn't get quite... Uh, or maybe you didn't change, but I found her and I could, I can get a lot more from her. 
They say for less money. For less money. <laughs> Where in South Texas do they say that? They do. They say it in the Midwest too. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Before in Brownsville. Were you really? Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking in San Antonio. I've heard them say that in San Antonio. Business. Yeah, in Tennessee, I think they they leave out the D. They just say business. You know, it's. But you know, you can see you can. Uh, as much as we dislike uh, businesses, because we're all we're always thinking they're just trying to make a profit. It's the most honest form of how we really are. You see, because uh, the business makes no secret. I'm trying to make a profit. I'm in this for me. They take the emotion out of it. Yeah. What we do is we take that same philosophy, but we put emotion in it. You know. You know, and even some businesses try to trick you. You know, into the emotional thing. I just care about you. We we care about your health. Yeah. We care about this. The insurance company. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we care. <laughs> I think there's even one that says the company that cares. Yeah. Like, you know. They don't care. They don't know you. They'll never see you. They don't care. As long as you keep paying them green, that's what they do. They care. As long as you give me, I'll give you. You're in good hands. Yep. You're in good hands. Yeah. I'll protect you. You're in good hands. You see. So, um, and sometimes I've I've noticed through the years, you know, people they think that they're falling in love with somebody, and they'll say, uh, "I found my soulmate." So you, you and so and so get along really nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I found my soulmate. You know, and I think, oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, what is this soulmate? Do you think this? Do you think you have a soulmate, or are there? Is there? Is there a soulmate out there for you? Soulmate. You've heard that term. What about you? Well, <clears throat> I don't think there's such thing. I think the only people, the only person. Can make a soul is him. Yeah. Because we are. But I mean, a soulmate. There's somebody who sometimes people meet people and they think, oh, you are my soulmate. We were meant to be together. You see. We're so connected. We have so much in common. You know, we're, they, use start, they use that term soulmate. soulmate. Mm -hmm. And if we look at it uh, in reality, who isn't your soulmate? If we stop looking at how much I can enjoy you and look at you as a true uh, living entity, we are all parts and parcel, uh, part and parcel of Krishna. You see? We're all servants of Krishna. We've all come from the same place. We're all related. For eternity, prior to us coming here, which is longer than we can imagine, we were together. We know each other. We're intimately related as servants of Krishna. We've done this for gazillions of eons until we came here. And then we forgot everything. Because mm -hmm. I'm not thinking about all these. So every living entity, we know each other. We're not strangers. We're all soulmates. We're just trying to discover that. You see, every living entity. You can look at our fellow man <clears throat> and all the other living entities differently if we realize that we are related. You know, do, to do that, we have to see beyond the bodies, the body situation. 
you see. And that way then the, we give rights to the animals, you see. Mm -hmm. They're less intelligent, so it's my duty to look after them. You know, I have to see that I don't screw up their life somehow. Be a good steward. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one person argued with me that, <clears throat> but God says in the Bible that he gave us dominion over the animals. So therefore it's okay to eat them. And I said, but he, he gave you dominion over your children too. <laughs> so you eat your children. You can't eat your children. You Along with this dominion, yeah, you can't, you can't get caught. <laughs> but along with dominion comes a great responsibility, you know. A great responsibility, see. And that dominion is only in uh, intelligence. One time Srila Prabhupada, my guru, was, uh, uh, he went to the zoo. The devotees wanted to take him to the zoo. And uh, he had never been to a zoo. So he thought, well, okay, let's go. Let's go see this, this zoo. And Prabhupada didn't like the zoo. He didn't like that human beings uh, meddle in the lives of the animals. He didn't like it. But, uh, you know, he went and he saw uh, the lion. And he said, just see, he is king. And yet he's in the cage. He's the king. And they saw tigers and... Prabhupada said they're more beautiful when they're wild. You know, and he pointed out different animals. And he felt saddened that, you know, that we've got all these animals and we've just put them together so we can go see them. We can enjoy them, enjoy seeing them. So as, as the devotees were leaving, he said, so, what have we learned? And everybody was like, well, we were supposed to learn something? Well, I thought we were just here spacing out, you know. And so Prabhupada said, the lion, he is far more mightier than you. He can eat you in a moment. But yet you have him in a cage. So who, who is more powerful? You are because of your intelligence. Through your intelligence, you know how to catch him. You, you, you know how to catch him and ship him across the ocean because of your intelligence. But yet he is mightier as far as physical strength. Mm -hmm. So this intelligence that the human has is much, much more, um, um, much mightier. Well, what about when you look into a, like an office? A what? An office. What's that? When people are working in their little cubicles. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That kind of saddened for me. Yeah. yeah. Animals are kind of the original convenience food, though. Yeah. Because you could go out and get one when you needed it. Or you have to grow food or you have to go out and get yeah. other food. So the animals kind of, we always take the path of least resistance. Yeah. But you know, it's interesting that you, that you bring that up. According to the Vedas, uh, and the Vedas are so ancient, they're so many thousands of years old, but they, they tell the story, the same story that we have, but differently. Uh, now, uh, if you reverse things, if you reverse the way we think history is going, <clears throat> then we would be more correct. But what, what we think is, what they're trying to get us to believe now is that man came from uh, monkeys. You know, or actually, a one-celled amoeba, you know, their life started in the primordial soup, 
then it turned into this and it evolved into that, evolved into that, and to a monkey, then into a man, or whatever. And that technology is going forward. Man used to be like a monkey living in trees, living in caves, but now we're so sophisticated that we live in houses with air conditioning, you know, and so many things. Um, and they've even found bones of these monkey-like men in caves. It's proof that they lived in caves. It's drawings. But the fact is, if we don't believe in God, we believe that this whole thing just happened by accident. There was a big bang, and now things are going on like this. So it started out uncivilized, and now we're civilized. But according to the Vedas, it starts out entirely different. In Satya Yuga, the first age, um, people live hundreds of thousands of years. There's no disease. Uh, the, the, uh, the weather is perfect, plenty of food. It's very much like the spiritual world, except there is birth and there is death. There is some old age, and no disease. In those ages, how did those transform? Because like, there's all types of ancient cultures um, that have been discovered like, that are underwater. Yeah. Like Atlantis, Lumeria, Lumerians. Yeah. Dorka. Dorka. There's several cities. There's two cities in India that were found underneath water yeah. recently. Yeah. So it's like, do these ages end through, through a, an each, event? Each one of them... Um, there's uh, 432,000 years in this age, Kali Yuga. This is the Dark Age, the uncivilized age, the age of quarrel and war. Uh, uh, 864,000 years in the, prius, in the previous Yuga. Twice that in the previous, and twice that in the first. So the first one is much longer, you see. At the, as these, and they're like seasons, they go from one into the other. So what we find uh, at the end, according to the Vedas, man will be reduced. That your lifespan is getting less and less. Food, we're ruining our, In our ability. Lifetime. We're seeing this. Yeah, we're, we're seeing, seeing this. this. Uh, our ability to grow food is getting less and less. Uh, we're we're misusing resources. Mm -hmm. So the lifespan goes. Uh, uh, the the technology that we have today cannot be sustained. You know. For instance, the rest of the world is, is struggling so hard to get up, to catch up to America, you know. Uh, if you haven't traveled outside of America, America very much, you realize that most of the world is nothing like America, you see. But yet they want to be. We use 25% of the energy in the world, and we have, what, 4%, is it? Population. Yeah. Well, the other 96% wants to be like us. <clears throat> And they're getting there fast. China and India, mm -hmm. huge. That's a lot of population. And they're going to be there very soon. So uh, we cannot maintain this. But they don't talk about specific events that have happened that have made a man restart, start over. Yeah, that happens at the end of this yuga. It'll start all over. At the end of this yuga, this Kali yuga, it'll start over into Satya yuga. Real sweet, and but wonderful. probably not from a storm or a tsunami. Or no, that's no, what you're. No, that's what or like, is. yeah. There's, I mean, there's all types of an ice age, or yeah, there's all types of 
prophets, prophecies, or whatever you can. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Krishna's got it. Crazy. Krishna's got it all planned. You know, he's yeah. got people depu uh, deputized to go do the destruction, and then Lord Brahma, the new Lord Brahma. You know, the next one that wants to take, uh, he's already deputized to create. You know, it's all set. You know, he's got he's got so many volunteers to do this. People that want to do that. You know, so it'll happen right on time, as it always has, for eternity. This isn't the first go around. This yeah, isn't this isn't Krishna's first rodeo, as they say. <laughs> but I don't know. I just find it interesting. <coughs> a lot of uh, ancient cultures do talk about certain events that take place. Yeah. And I thought that the Vedas did too. They pretty much talk about uh, not historical things that uh, not so much that. Uh, well, there are there 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 are some. Sure you know, and it's kind of Krishna's pastimes because he loves to, he likes to have fun. You know, he likes to be the the hero. He likes to come in and save the day. So when the when the planet gets in trouble, sometimes he might even incarnate in a special way, just to save the planet. You know, because he likes to do that. You know, so, uh, yeah, here I come to save the day. <laughs> But uh, towards the end of this yuga, as it dies down, people, the Vedas say that people will be reduced uh, to uh, ape-like. The man will become ape-like. And the only place they can find to live would be to live in a cave. I don't think people realize that even though we have these conveniences, they're really a, a lot of, it was, it's really a lot of bondage. Because if yeah. we lose these things, um, the majority of people could not survive. Right. They could not self-sustain themselves. Right. Um, and and that's probably what how this age will end. Um, you know the the way the um, the way the um, well, it's already it's it's well, it's already it's, started yeah, that but, way. Yeah, it, it's already started yeah. that way. And then with all of these um, new. Uh, superbugs that are occurring health-wise, we're not going to be able to control it, but then something will happen that right. the whole infrastructure will implode, probably. Um, and well, I mean, you see in the, the news, or they're saying the dollar's smashing, going down and down, or like the tornadoes here, the earthquakes there, it's like, you know, it's like talking to us, and I like to, I don't know, it's really... Yeah, it's, it's all in Krishna. Yeah. Krishna's cycles. Things. It's all the cycle. Yeah, it's all the cycles. And it's amazing we have all this technology to, to look at what's going on, but a lot of people still, like, we're living unconsciously, so we don't prepare ourselves. And that's kind of the crossroads where I'm going with my family. Like, I'm seeing all this happen, and I just, just close your eyes and imagine if something were to happen or, you know, it could be a little, a little interesting, shaky, especially with a place that doesn't have a lot of natural resources. Like, yeah. 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 So it's. But so many people miss out on the moment. I mean, all we really have is the moment that we have right now. Absolutely. That's all we have. So we can plan and right. do yeah. all that, but it doesn't matter because all we really have is the moment. Right. And right. to live beyond the moment or behind the moment <clears throat> is. Mm -hmm. It's not really living. Yeah, 
because we can make all these plans and we can scare people and say that this is happening and that's happening and the vast majority will say oh well that's very interesting hey it's time for the football game where's the remote control oh here it is hey order pizza did you bring beer with you that's the unconscious level. you see what I mean? yeah you know you can, they can look you in the eye and go like wow Really? <laughs> you know, I mean, for a second they there's get so it. Many, there's so many. But then, yeah, around, yeah, the material energy takes back over. They get back into it. Or events that have occurred in the past, they can't get past. Yeah. You know, they just yeah. keep getting sucked back into that exactly. vortex. Exactly. You know, to pry out of the, the, um, uh, the gravity that's holding them. They can't get away from it. They're being held. What time it's uh, six seventeen. It's about time to wrap it up, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically that's our that's our situation. You know, we're trying to escape, but that gravity is holding them. You know, it's like um, you know, it's like that famous uh, uh, line out of the Godfather movie. Did you see the, the original Godfather? You know, Al Pacino makes that. One, this one person asked me. Uh, he said, you've been a Hare Krishna for 40 years? And I said, yeah. He said, how is that? And I said, every time I tried to get out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But it's like that with the material energy. You try to get out, but it sucks you back in. So. All right. Let's wrap it up. Thank you all for coming. <laughs>